listening to Prime Venture Partner podcast where we bring you impactful moments from the lives of entrepreneurs, new CXOs and investors who are playing a key role in building digital India. Hi, this is Sanjay Swamy, managing partner at Prime Venture Partners. Welcome to this podcast series. Prime is an early stage VC investing in technology and product focused businesses. Today I have with me Ashwin Ramesh founder and CEO of Signup. Ashwin welcome to the show. We work very closely with Signup for the past 4 years and it's been a fun journey and a fun ride to work alongside you. Welcome to the show. Uh tell us a little bit about your journey and you know specifically how did Signup uh, get started. Absolutely. And uh, Sanjay thanks for having me here. And thanks for also investing in Signup. I wasn't sure that you would do it, but uh, it was yeah. great that you took that leap of faith. So my journey actually starts many, many moons ago. So I became an entrepreneur accidentally. The year was two thousand four. I was still in high school. Found this thing called online marketing. Fell in love with it. And uh, while I was an online marketer, I found out a big challenge that I was facing personally, which kind of led to the genesis of Signup. And how old were you in two thousand four? I was 14 years old just a while ago so uh feels like a very very long time right so we've a really young teenage entrepreneur here at the age of 14 and tell us about the journey from there till the start of sign up 8 years later sure so when i initially started out like i mentioned it was completely accidental i just realized that i could uh, sit at home freelance and do this thing called online marketing so my life started with essentially doing glorified data entry online marketing back in the day was like data entry all you had to do was go in and update meta tags title tags build backlinks and then like magic your site would rank automatically um i had a lot of fun building that business so that eventually became a formalized business and uh, i ran that for about 9 years had a lot of fun doing it uh, had a lo- lot of fun building this business and the idea for sign up came from there where i realized that if i went through the journey from 2004 to 2013 in 2004 i mentioned that i started optimizing websites you know building backlinks and changing meta tags everything happened on a website fast forward to 2013 nothing was happening on a website and what i realized was all of my employees were actually doing what i was doing in 2004 data entry but across different platforms where consumers were actually searching and this was a humongous waste of time major major pain to do at scale and uh, i couldn't really find anything that solved that problem so i realized hey nobody's going to fix it for you fix it yourself and that's how sign up came to be awesome so tell us you talk about you know people were doing things across multiple platforms so tell us the core insight of sign up and with some examples please sure so uh, when you search for anything right now a restaurant or you know when you search for a hospital or when you search for a you know home services provider near you what you're likely to find is sites that carry reviews or you're likely to find a profile on google or a profile on foursquare or profile on bing or you're likely to find it on a place like instagram nobody really goes to websites anymore so i don't remember the last time i went to a restaurant's website i don't know do you ever go to a restaurant's website you don't right so you find this information on a zomato or a google or a bing or an instagram now the challenge for the business is that to manage their presence across these places is extremely tedious and time consuming right because all these places are silos they don't talk to each other uh, as a consumer you expect this information you find to be accurate right so i expect the menu on instagram zomato and google to all be accurate i trust it over the website that the business has and now the business is stuck trying to manage their presence across 10 or 12 different places which becomes a challenge uh, with sign up we have a way in which they can do this seamlessly automatically without having to spend all this human effort so that a consumer a hungry consumer like you or me can actually 
trust the information you're finding online. Terrific. So, you know, you built sign up over the last three years and or four years and it has evolved quite significantly, right? So on the one hand, I still remember from the early days, you've been an entrepreneur, always focused on making sure that, you know, you have solid revenues in the company growing at least 100% year over year over the last, you know, several years. And at the same time, the businesses looks very different today from what it looked like, say, you know, three years ago when you started. Two major transitions moving to the enterprise segment as well as building out a huge team in the US. Yeah. So tell us about this journey and how does one do this while maintaining the consistent growth? What were some of the challenges you faced and what advice do you have for entrepreneurs? Sure. So uh, first thing is, again, it also comes down to the DNA. So I've run a bootstrap business for a very long time. So ran a bootstrap business for nine years. So the core DNA that I have, and I think a lot of people at sign up have is we always need to keep generating revenue. If you're not generating revenue, we shouldn't be in business. That's our core DNA. And for us, every path to our journey at sign up was accidental, right? So initially we had no idea what we were doing. Sanjay, sorry to break it to you. We had no idea what we were doing, but I was very convincing. I you sat in the same room and pitched you. I don't know why you wrote that check. Initially, we had no idea. It took us some time to figure things out, but we were still making revenue during that path, right? We were not doing SaaS for a long time. It took us a year and a half to realize that we had to do SaaS. And once we started doing SaaS, we realized that, hey, we could start selling software to small businesses globally sitting in India because, you know, there are a lot of people in India doing it and realized that we could very quickly scale revenues doing that. For us, I think every time we made a change, it was when there was a plateau that happened. So we started initially by selling to SMBs. We had a plateau for three months. And usually when a plateau like that happens, I really feel very bad about myself. And we all feel very bad about ourselves. So during the SMB plateau, we first iterated and we figured out that the product we were selling, we couldn't sell it at scale to small businesses while still ensuring that we were profitable. We kept our margins. So our first tra transition was really moving away from SMB to more of a mid-market to enterprise customer. That was the first kind of transition. And then once we moved to mid-market to enterprise, we, we figured out that we couldn't really do that completely out of India, which is when I had to personally move to the US, set up a team there because selling to large businesses requires geographical proximity, right? You know, large business is going to, I mean, they, they don't want you to be 10,000 miles away when they're spending a million dollars a year with you. So we, we, all of these stages were extremely accidental. Like, I would say iteration, but more accidental because it was not planned. Initially, if you had asked me in 2014, are you going to do this? I wouldn't know the answer. But I think what really forced us is every time we made the change, it was because we saw a plateau. And uh, like I told you, our core DNA is when we see slow, business slowing down, revenue is not growing. We usually tend to take action. And each of these scenarios actually pushed us forward to the next stage in the growth journey. Is this the final end of it? I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it is not. I believe it is, this is a very scalable model, but uh, you know, the only constant is change, right? When you're running a business. Yeah. So having said that, however, I think obviously now you're in a very large segment uh, and winning successfully, you know, with US uh, large enterprises in the US, as well as in other parts of the world. One of the big things you've done over the last year though, is build out a complete, you know, senior management team, which you know, in the past, it was primarily an India-based company with maybe one person in the US and now there are 30 people in the US and so on. And most Indian companies struggle with both these transitions, right? One is transitioning from mid-market to the enterprise, which yeah. you've done successfully. And, and the second is building out a large, strong team in the US. 
can you share a little bit about you know how easy or difficult that was what were some of the tricks you had what advice you have for other entrepreneurs let me start with the bad part about building a team in the us burn yeah. right so be ready for that if an entrepreneur moving from india to the us be ready for your burn to go up catastrophically when you start a team in the us so obviously that's the bad thing but there are a lot of good things about it so i'll talk about why we did it what are the reasons you should do it and how we went about doing it i think the challenge for an indian software as a service entrepreneur uh, trying to crack enterprise in bangalore is there is not enough of a talent pool available here that is one big challenge we are still swimming in a very small pond there do not exist as many enterprise software as a service companies in bangalore or chennai or anywhere in india as they do in new york city or the bay area secondly even if there are people they are not proximate to customers so if you are trying to build a large business you need to have your sales leadership your marketing leadership your cs leadership very proximate to customers they should be able to jump on a flight go visit a customer because that is expected from you now the third thing is that people also have seen lot more scale so there's obviously talent pool and proximity and scale saas is a science it's not not so once you hit a particular critical mass it's just about following a playbook and unfortunately we don't have those playbooks here but there are people out there who have playbooks or who've been part of playbooks who can immensely help you right so that's that's a kind of the reasons why we did that pivot or transition so one of the things that i did very early on is i realized that i couldn't hire these people myself by going on linkedin and contacting them i tried that for a long time i would go and i would be like hey will you come talk to me it was extremely time consuming then i tried to get my uh, india recruitment team to start hiring people in the us did not work out the quality of people was not good One of the major transitionary changes we made was I allied with the right recruiters. As being in India, right? So initially, when I went there, I saw US recruiters charging twenty to twenty-five percent per hire. Right? You can do the math if you're paying someone two hundred thousand dollars, for instance. You're spending fifty k on hiring that person, which for me was like fifty k, thirty-five lakhs. Initially, I was like not very excited about it. The reason why we succeeded was when we allied with the right recruiters who come in with the Rolodex mm-hmm. and who know what they're doing. Because a lot of times when you're trying to hire people, you don't know how much you should be paying. You don't know how to comp them because now it's not like India; they won't give you a pay slip, right? They, you you don't know what what they're making. You don't know where to look for the right people, and you don't know how to go about sourcing them. So our biggest success and how we went about doing it is we allied with three specific recruiters, right? Three of them who I personally vetted, I spoke with very small firms where I was talking to the. actual founder of the recruiting firm and they were like our extended hr team and uh, the division of labor was they bring in the candidates and i go about interviewing these people and go through a very extensive process and with each candidate i actually had my own workbook right so for marketing for instance there were 10 different factors i was looking at to hire a vp of marketing in fact i interviewed about 30 people almost and each interview lasted about 4 to 5 hours cumulative this is across three different people so it was not a very simple process it was a very long process it was a very thorough process and the way i was able to pull it off because i was focusing more on okay is this the right person rather than focusing on how do i get this person to come in so how do i get this person to come in is a recruiter's job is this the right person is my job closing them is also the recruiter's job so this division of labor worked out really well um, it, it took a lot of time but we were able to be fairly successful doing this but it is again a numbers game the more people you meet the more people you interview i mean better your chances are the other part is also you have to be able to convince them that this is a big opportunity because again you have to remember like so we are in new york city new york city is the second largest saas employer market in the us after the bay area there's a lot of interesting companies around 
but uh, you need to be able to convince them why this business is better than anything else and i think that is also another reason why people end up working for you because you're able to convince them that this is the future those are i think really useful insights quick uh, question what about you know the choice between new york and uh, the bay area traditionally most indian companies look at the bay area as the first option uh, and obviously it's from a time zone perspective probably the worst where you're running a team in india and new york what were some of the reasons you chose new york and how has that panned out i, I think it's mostly serendipity right because uh, i obviously did not have a location in mind when i wanted to move i went to nyc because our first few employees were there we had four employees in new york city and i ended up eventually going there but i think it has actually worked out really well for us it has worked out really well for us because new york city is an interesting place so it is an interesting place where you can get an sdr for $40000 would we'll be living in queens or the bronx sdrb uh, sales development representative right uh, someone who's actually doing cold calling and setting up you know demos for you mm-hmm. so you can get someone like that for $40000 which is what you would be paying in texas or salt lake city and you can also get the best product guys who are going to cost the same as the bay area so new york city has a nice microcosm where it's got people who will travel from other states it's a tri state area right so you have great connectivity over rail to go find a job and it will be a, a start a job and you have the very very good talent out there so you can build a nice mix the bay area is a bubble it's i think kind of inflated so the same sales development representative in the bay area will cost you $80000 for comparison so i think one good thing that has worked out for us is we've been able to attract the right kind of talent so you have for the, the quality right job. of talent as well as the mix between the price points that exactly that are so that is reasonable. one thing i think has worked out really well for us the second thing that worked out really well for us is also When I moved to New York City there was this huge talent pool available because a lot of people from the ad tech industry were actually moving out because ad tech was hyperinflated a couple of years ago now it's going through a lull this really good talent that was in ad tech was available and they were all like looking out for a job they were all interviewing so this was more serendipity right timing which was not planned but that worked out really well i think third thing is proximity to investors a lot of people don't believe it but uh, there are a lot of interesting investors in new york city in fact i think there are more uh, investors in new york city than the bay area who can actually invest in growth capital for instance growth equity i think there is a lot of proximity to that and fourth is network if you start networking into the whole tech circle in new york city it's a very close circle but people actually help each other to a large extent mm-hmm. uh, there are obviously different distinct circles as indian circle the israeli circle uh, different circles but i think once you're networked they help you out because new york city is not really a tech town it's a finance town it's a tech town it's a music town it's a entertainment town it's a business town san francisco is only known for tech and personally for me when i go to starbucks i don't find someone right next to me saying they're going to invent the next uh, box going to be bigger than aaron levy which is what happens in the bay area so that is something i personally like interesting and i guess new york also probably has a fair amount of your customer base as well so our customer base is distributed we don't have any customers in the bay area maybe that's also a reason to stay in new york great so you know, company has been doing really well growing really nicely and what do the next couple of years look like staying in the us as a primary market will you be expanding internationally so unfortunately in the software business especially the enterprise software business your lot of your revenues will come from the us So we're yeah, very unfortunate about it. It's a <laughs> statement of fact. No, see, it's unfortunate because we have such a large presence in India that we are not able to tap into, mm-hmm. right? So Asia could be a large software buying market. It is not. So I do think US will be our primary market, but we do expect to expand considerably in India. So if you look at uh, Asia, right? For us, India and Southeast Asia and 
all these places put together they were 0% of our revenues about 12 months ago now they are at 10% of our revenue so that's significantly expanding i do think there's a huge opportunity here but i don't think it will be as large as north america at least for the next few years so the primary focus will be primary north, focus north will america. be north america but this would be our upside market so india middle east africa australia would be our upside market got it and perhaps europe as well. europe as well yeah Great Ashwin it's been an amazing journey so far but I know the best is yet to come wish you and the team all the very best Thanks a lot Sanjay for having me and uh, it was a pleasure uh, doing this with you Thank you Dear listeners thank you so much for listening to this episode of Prime Venture Partners podcast don't forget to subscribe to this show so that you can stay updated with great conversations like these You can share your feedback at our Twitter handle at the rate primevp underscore in or leave your review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show from. Music